Well, John, you wrote about it, and you captured what I was thinking as I was watching the Timberwolves in the Miami Heat on Monday night, which is, listen, I understand that the Go Bear offensive experiment, it was going to have its pitfalls. And I thought they forced the ball to him too much early in the season, almost out of the goodness of their hearts, trying to make him feel included. Uh, they still throw him the ball in the wrong situation sometimes. He's very inconsistent offensively. They're still trying to figure that out. And But I'm not really surprised by that part of it. I thought that would be the growing pains aspect of this season. What I'm disappointed in is this guy is should be a defensive stopper. He should be a rebounding machine. And there are some games, like last night, we're talking here on Tuesday morning, where he's up against a small lineup and he did not dominate. He did not dominate as a rebounder. He did not dominate as a defender. He didn't even seem to have a great presence in the game. That bothers me and worries me more than the offensive struggles. Yeah, Jim, I, I I think I've tried most of the season, all season really, to want to be patient, to understand that this was always going to be an acclimation process, that the players had to learn how to play with him, that he had to learn how to play with new players in a new system. All that is true. Um, but one thing that you often hear from people who are very uh, well-versed in Rudy Gobert and watching him play and watching him have an impact on the game is that he does a lot of the really little things well that don't necessarily show up in the stat sheet. Um, and, and that is kind of where his real kind of benefits uh, for helping a team win can, can often be noticed if you're watching it really closely. But I think in a game like the one in Miami on Monday night, no Jimmy Butler, no Bam Adebayo, no Dwayne Dedman. So they're playing Nikola Jovic at center. They're playing some two-way um, rookie uh, named Orlando Robinson at center. Those are the kinds of times where you need uh, big things from your $38 million center. Not just the little things. You need big things. You need them to come out, set a tone, and just throw his weight around both on offense and on defense. And that's something that we just did not see last night. And we haven't seen consistently enough this season. Um, you need, they need a, the dominant version of Rudy Gobert who was with Utah, who was an incredible rim protector, an incredible rebounder and could just cover up so many weaknesses of a team. And, we have not seen that this season nearly enough. And that's where I think last night, you know, we're recording this on Tuesday morning, on Monday night in Miami, that, that was the most uh, glaring example of why this Rudy Gobert experiment has been underwhelming so far is they needed him to really dominate that game. And instead, he got outplayed and outproduced by Orlando Robinson and so much so that Gobert was on the bench in the last five minutes of the games for Nas Reed. That is a big problem for the Timberwolves to grapple with right now. He's John Krasinski. This is the John Krasinski show. This is talknorth.com. Our producer is Brandon Morton. If you like the show, if you like any shows at the network, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It's free. It's the easiest way to listen. You can always go to talknorth.com and see our full lineup. Russo, LaPanta, Cheryl Reeve, John Krasinski, John Millay, Jeff Diamond, Roy Smalley, Lavelle Neal, Mike Grimm, uh, Dave Lee, outdoor content, variety content, and thank you for listening. We do appreciate it. We expect to have another big year in 2023. 
Um, the other thing about Gobert is there seems to be some awkwardness in terms of the, the guards knowing when and how to throw him the ball. I thought it was ridiculous that D'Angelo Russell threw him the one pass, you know, basically a lead pass as he's running to the foul line. I mean, it, it just the, the chances of him catching that, uh, putting it on the floor once and finishing in that situation were about 2%. And D'Angelo Russell threw it. So, you know, maybe the answer is don't throw it to him very often, but if you when you do throw it to him, it has to be in a, in a situation where he's going to the rim, where he has room, where he can dunk it, where he can make a simple move. Yeah, I think like that's that has been a major issue. And so it, you, in, in terms of it's not all on Rudy Gobert um, for the struggles that we have seen this team go through, this uh, the guards have not been able to um, find him in advantageous situations uh, often enough this season, or in some cases, perhaps they have been unwilling to find him in those situations. And I do think that early on in the season, when Rudy Gobert was struggling to catch passes, especially in traffic, I think that eroded some of the confidence that particularly D'Angelo Russell has in Rudy Gobert. I don't think that D'Lo wants to throw Rudy Gobert the basketball very often in a game, to be quite frank with you. It, it just doesn't look like he is on the same page with Rudy Gobert and that he trusts Rudy Gobert to make plays. In defense of Rudy Gobert, I think that D'Angelo Russell certainly has a lot of issues himself, including last night um, in the lazy, uh, casual turnovers that he had, some of the lack of defense that D'Angelo Russell played. So while he, you know D'Lo may look at Go, go bear and say, you know, you know, privately or whatever, or just think to himself that it, this, this, it's frustrating playing with him. Uh, it, it's been frustrating playing with Russell, I think, as well in, in, in many of those cases. So there's some finger pointing that I think might be going on that is leading to a lack of chemistry on the court. But then you do have instances where he does throw it to Gobert, lobs it to him kind of down in the paint on a, a difficult catch, but not impossible, one that a, a really good center can make. And he catches it and travels and turns it turns the ball over. Well, that's, that's again, further eroding the, the confidence that these guards have in finding Gobert. Um, it has been really surprising to me that the pick and roll has been so difficult for them to execute for much of the season. There are times within games where they come, a, a guard comes off a screen. It's Edwards, it's Russell, it's Jalen Noel. Uh, Rudy Gobert rolls to the basket. They throw a little lob up to him and he throws it down and it looks so easy and it should be that easy, but it has been very hard for them to establish that this season, whether it's timing, whether it's, um, you know, any other things that are getting in the way, they just have not been able to get to that very often. And I think that has led to a lot of frustrations on the guard side, on Gobert's side. And now there's just been some willful looking off of Gobert when he is open with smaller people on, on him because he hasn't been able to do enough damage when he does get the ball in those situations. And so... That's just kind of the the combination of things that are going wrong. And I think it's everyone to blame for it, but 
it doesn't make it any easier to watch. It's been really hard to watch. So if you're Finch, what do you tell Rudy about his offensive game plan and what do you tell him about improving on defense? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, I, I here's one thing that I would like to see happen. Um, right now, Rudy Gobert is averaging like 1.1 blocks per game. Uh, mm-hmm. That is half of what he was averaging last season for the Jazz and what he's averaged most most of the seasons uh, prior to that in Utah. And I think that his lack of impact in the rim protection shot blocking game is contributing to his teammates lack of faith in him offensively. And I'll try to explain why Um, Rudy Gobert is often the kind of defensive player that is such a deterrent at the rim with his size, with his length, with his, his timing and things that you will see uh, players not just not even challenge him in that respect. And so when people look at you know, Walker Kessler's blocks per 36, for instance, um, and see it, it's you know, much better than Rudy Gobert's. Part of the reason is that Gobert doesn't get challenged as much because it's like a shutdown corner um, that a quarterback doesn't throw to his side of the field. Um, but in the instances when he does get challenged, Rudy has to send that shot into the third row sometimes. And he plays a very disciplined style and he's not one to do that very often. He wants to control the the ball, control the rebound. But right now he's got to show his teammates around him that he is capable of overpowering an opponent. And last and and Monday night, Gabe Vincent, Gabe Vincent, not you know, LeBron James, not Kevin Durant, not Kyrie Irving, not uh, you know Luka Doncic. It was a, a Gabe Vincent going right at Gobert at least three times, where Gobert didn't even challenge the shot, and that's going to be a case where teammates look at him and say, "Wait a minute, I thought you were supposed to be this all-world defender. What's going on here?" And, um. I think the, the the things that Gobert is excelling at right now are too quiet and he needs to be louder on the court. Last year, the Timberwolves were not as good re- at protecting the rim, not as good, not as good, frankly, defensively as they could be with Rudy Gobert, but they were loud and they sort of fed off of that volume and that swagger and that emboldened them to play better like Rudy has to make some splash plays and maybe it's not like the most cerebral play to, to target a guard and swat the bleep out of the ball and get it into the fifth row. But that's the kind of thing that will get a reaction from teammates and get them to start to believe in what they have in Rudy Gobert. And then maybe that gets them to want to reward him on the other end a little bit more. And, and so they just need more volume and more dominance from Gobert rather than the, the quiet parts that he is doing. And, um, and I think that would go a long way toward sort of fostering some connectedness with this entire team that just isn't there right now. And 
As Gobert is struggling, Nas Reed is surging. Let's get into that dynamic. I also want to talk more about D'Angelo Russell, who's driving me almost as crazy as Rudy Gobert is. Uh, for the moment, though, I want to let you know that 612-TSR-TIME, call them now. You will thank them later. If you are injured, you need good help, you need ethical help, you need somebody who's going to win your case. They win a lot of cases, and they will not charge you unless they win your case. So just remember, 612-TSR-TIME. Their ads are everywhere because they have been a great Minnesota success story. 612-TSR-TIME, another great Minnesota success story. I want to thank Head Flyer Brewing for hosting the Cheryl Reeve Show. We uh, passed our, our goal for raising money to help uh, keep homeless youth warm during the winter. Great event, uh, great place to have the event. We really appreciate their hospitality. John, tell us more about Head Flyer. Yeah, Head Flyer has a couple of new beers um, and new drinks on tap for the holiday season for also drowning some sorrows for you Wolves fans out there who are really struggling right now to watch uh, this team play basketball. They have a Kingfield Coffee Porter. We collaborated with our friends at 5 Watt, which is right next door to Head Flyer in Northeast Minneapolis to add a unique twist to a classic porter by blending cold-pressed coffee, milk sugar, sea salt, and vanilla beans. They also have a mint chocolate factory. Step into the mint chocolate factory and be greeted with a smooth pastry stout brewed with decadent mint chocolates. Rich, dark, and creamy, this beer is sure to be an indulgent treat. They have a great tap room. They have TVs all over the place to, to watch games, watch the Wild, watch the Twins, watch the Timberwolves um, play. And um, and just great place to hang out with great all uh, a super wide selection of beers. My wife and I have been going there for years, long before we had any kind of business relationship with Head Flyer, and we just continue to go back because it's just such a great place. Head Flyer Brewing in Northeast Minneapolis on Hennepin Avenue, right off of 35W. Go in and check it out. The Inflation Reduction Act has raised the federal solar investment tax credit from 26 to 30%. It was going to drop to 22%, so that's a huge change in direction. It's also a fantastic opportunity for residents and businesses to invest in solar. The rebate includes solar power with battery backup. There may be additional solar incentives depending on the location of the property. Solar property with battery backup can keep your lights on and heat running when a summer or winter storm hits. Solar and EVs are the perfect pair. Kick fossil fuels to the curb at home and on the road by using solar to power your EV at home or provide it as a service to your business employees and customers. Now's a great time to secure your spot for next year's installation. You might want to act soon. According to some studies, one in four homeowners want to invest in solar within the next five years, but the grid is limited capacity. So grab your opportunity while you can before someone else does. Go to allenergysolar.com. And now the world famous Manscaped ad from John Krasinski. Hey, fellas, this episode of The John Krasinski Show is brought to you by our favorite producers, ball trimmers, Manscaped. The global leaders in below-the-waist grooming are leaving 2022 with brand-new products, Persevere, Cologne, and Persevere Body Wash. 2023 is the, year up to, is, is the year to up your hygiene and smell amazing, and Manscaped wants to help you do so with this special offer. Use the code ATHLETIC for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Take the leap into the new year and join the 7 million men who already trust Manscaped. 2023 is on its way, and the last thing you want is to be the guy with pubes getting in your way of making it your best yet. The Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0 is the leader of the Performance Package 4.0, or as I call it, the Perfect Package for my package, Manscaped engineered the ultimate groin and body trimmer by focusing on intelligent functionality and incredibly and an incredibly comfortable grooming experience. 
This new year, shave the loose pines off your wood with the best tool for the job, the Signature Lawnmower 4.0 from Manscaped, and it's here to take down every pube in its path. The new Persevere Cologne is like the body wash with a light woodsy scent that answers the call of the wild by leaving you smelling like a man forged from the earth. It is also cruelty-free, dye-free, paraben-free, and vegan so you know you're in the right hands while smelling right. Use the code ATHLETIC for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code ATHLETIC at manscaped.com. I am not suggesting a lineup change, but I do find it very intriguing that as Gobert seems to be at his worst right now, Nas Reed is playing wonderfully. Yeah, he's playing really, really well, Jim. Um, he, the, there is a kind of caveat with it. When when Nas is on the floor, especially alone, but part, uh, but also when he is playing with another big, uh, the Wolves rebounding and interior defense does tend to suffer. They mm-hmm. do give up more layups. They do... Um, uh, they they have a hard time grabbing rebounds, which has been a season long problem for them. But it's even exacerbated when Reed is on the floor. Um, so there are issues that come about that from having Reed on the floor versus having Rudy Gobert on the floor. Um, they're be- they're just better in those categories with Rudy on the floor. But Nas does play an entirely different style than Rudy, both offensively and defensively, and you can see that the players on this roster are more comfortable playing the way that Nas Reed plays. And that is a little bit more open. Nas Reed certainly can handle the ball much better than Rudy Gobert can. He can initiate things offensively in a way that Rudy Gobert cannot. He shoots the three, obviously, in a in a, in a way that Rudy Gobert does not. And I think that what is most apparent to me in, in comparing the two is that Nas has a sense of identity. He knows who he is as a player and how he fits with these teammates around him because he's been here for a while. And he is really understanding of what he does well and what he doesn't do well. And he stays kind of within that. Rudy Gobert, as the new kid on the block, and I know we're 34 games in, so he should be a little bit further along, but he just isn't. He does not look uh, like he like he knows... Uh, what he can really do damage with and how that fits in with the rest of his teammates right now. Um, and and so you, there's a lot more tentativeness with the entire group when Rudy Gobert is on the floor versus when Nas Reed is on the floor. They may not always play as well, but they play with a lot more force, a lot more energy with Reed on the floor. And that is why Chris Finch closed the game against Miami with Reed as the primary center. He did some little go bear for Reed offense for defense down the stretch in the last minute or two, but in large part for the last five minutes, Nas Reed was the, was the center on the floor and Rudy Gobert was watching. And I think that that is an acknowledgement that this team just plays more confidently with Reed on the floor. Now they still lost the game. They still couldn't come up with a big stop. So it's not like that's a panacea, that even if they decided to do something which they would never do, which is pull Rudy Gobert from the starting lineup and put Nas Reed in there, that it would just solve all their problems. But I do think that the players operate at a different level of intensity with Reed there just because they are more familiar with him and feel like he fits more what they do. So that is something the Timberwolves just have to address. Rudy Gobert isn't going anywhere. He's 
under contract for four years. He is he they need to find out a way to make him as comfortable with the Wolves and the Wolves as comfortable with him as um, as they are with Nas Reed. And if they do, then that can solve a lot of their issues. But right now it is clear that there is a stark contrast between the two of them just in terms of overall comfortability. And that's really wreaking a lot of havoc here. Now let's move on to D'Angelo Russell. Uh, you used the words I was going to use, which I thought his turnovers were lazy. They were sloppy. Uh, his defense was lazy and sloppy. Uh, offensively, you know, other than the turnovers, he shot efficiently, had his assists. He is kind of the guy. He's kind of like old Kirk Cousins. He's going to get his numbers, uh, whether it. But but if you watch the game, uh, it was almost disturbing to watch him play last night. Yeah, it was, and he's played so well, really, for the last six yes. weeks. Um, that, you know, what now, what I think everyone is waiting for is was this last run, was that just, um, you know, the, the boom and bust that we've seen from D'Angelo Russell over his career, or was there something more sustainable that he could build on with this latest shooting run and playmaking run and, 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 and really kind of the thing that had always stood out to me about him playing over the last couple of weeks is not just that the shots were falling, but it seemed like, excuse me, he seemed like he was just playing harder. He was really determined to be one of the guys that brought forth regular effort and energy most on most nights. And in Miami, um, it, that was not the case. I mean, there were, yeah, I think he had five turnovers. At least three of them were very, casual turnovers that were poor decisions and easy for the Miami heat to take advantage of. He did not, he got beaten foot races uh, back down in transition. He was not covering, uh, he lost his men on, on easy backdoor cuts um, and screens. He wasn't fighting through. And I think that some of that in my observation stems from maybe a, a feeling like he's a little stifled when Gobert is on the floor. Um, these last three games, we have seen a different D'Angelo Russell than we had seen when when Rudy Gobert returned from injury than we had seen previously when when Gobert was out. But um, there has to be some ownership on his part as well. I mean, he's making a lot of mistakes. Um, you know, as mad as he gets at Gobert for not catching the passes, he didn't catch a ball um, on the on the last inbounds play of the game it went off of his hands and he couldn't control it um and so there's got to be some accountability there that uh that that he has some ownership in how this is going as well uh and, and so there's just a lot of people d'angelo russell included that can't just point to rudy gobert and say it's all your fault and and th there, there's just an there's there's a level that a lot of these guys aren't reaching. Anthony Edwards played great last night um, from an offensive standpoint, but he did have eight turnovers. Like that's all, that's just too many. Um, and, and so there's just a lot of guys that, that have to look inward right now and figure out not only how they can do things better themselves, but also how can they work with Rudy Gobert because he is not going anywhere and they have to try and, tailor their games to him and have Rudy tailor his game to them a little bit more and meet more in the middle than what we have seen so far. No doubt about it. Um, well, 
if this stretch has accomplished anything, it has quieted the people who pretended that this team was just going to be way better without Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, where are the Wolves with their injuries? It feels like the injuries are all important. You have Towns, you know, they miss a shooting. You miss Tarian Prince's D and three and energy. You miss McLaughlin's intelligence, playmaking. Uh, and it just feels like the injuries are, are not to the right guys right now. <laughs> Yeah, definitely not. I mean, that is one thing to keep in mind. I mean, like, so they needed to win that game in Miami last night. There's just, I mean, against a team without Butler and Bam in a middle of a gauntlet schedule, no matter who is out, you needed to win that game when you still have Gobert, Russell, and Edwards. That 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 shouldn't, you shouldn't lose that game. But I will say that uh, the game in Boston, for instance, that they lost, I wasn't all that concerned about because Boston's one of the two best teams in the league and the Wolves were missing four of their top nine guys. I mean, that's going to happen. Um, so, uh, but it, you you look at what they're missing and you hit the nail on the head with a lot of them and then f- let's throw Kyle Anderson in there as well. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I forgot. Yeah, I shouldn't forget yeah. Kyle Anderson. He's been one of their best players this year. Exactly. And so missing his playmaking and things. And so he was not there. Um, I think Anderson will be back very soon. They play in when, on Wednesday against new Orleans. If he's feeling better for, he had an illness, um, a non COVID illness against Miami. And I think that had he not had that, the back would have been okay for him to give it a go, um, in Miami. And so hopefully by Wednesday in new Orleans or at the very latest Friday in Milwaukee, um, he will be back. Torian Prince, I think is getting closer, uh, to coming back from that shoulder injury. He's been out for a very long time and is sorely missed. I think McLaughlin with, with his calf, is still a little ways away there. You know, he tried to come back and play with it and, and, and it, it, it came back. And so they're, they're being extra careful with him and towns, unfortunately is not close to coming back. Chris Finch said before the game in Miami reiterated that he's still out a multitude of weeks. Um, They are going to be careful with him because it is such a a tricky injury to, to rehab and it can um, lay the groundwork for more serious injuries if you're not all the way back healthy. And he's just starting to do a little bit of light on court work, but it's going to be a while before he's ready to go. And, and like you said, uh, you know, there was a, a certainly a very vocal and loud contingent of Wolves fans who were excited to see this team take off without Carl Anthony Towns, who believed that he was the root of all their issues. He is not the root of their issues. Uh, they certainly had a fit issue that they were trying to work through with Rudy Gobert, but Towns is their best player and they miss his shot making. They miss his rebounding. They miss his ability to find Rudy Gobert in the flow of the offense. He's the one guy who knows how to do it and who is willing, willingly, who was willingly doing it before he got injured. So, um, I, I I regret to inform the town's haters out there that uh, this team is not better and is in fact f- significantly worse without him on the floor. And um, they have to try and stay afloat over these next whatever several weeks before they get him back um, and, 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 and try and not be completely buried when he does come back. So we'll see how that all goes, but uh, there's not a very – bright light at the end of the tunnel when it comes to Carl Anthony Towns and his rehab yet. 
One more topic I want to get to, or at least one more thought experiment. Thanks again to TSR Injury Law, 612 TSR Time, All Energy Solar, allenergysolar.com, Headflyer Brewing, Manscaped, our producer Brandon Morton, and everyone who listens to talknorth.com. We appreciate it. So let's go truth serum time. If you could strap Chris Finch in a chair, inject truth serum, and ask him what he's really thinking about this team, this situation, and the future, uh, what do you think he'd say? I think the biggest thing that probably concerns him right now is less the fit of the roster, although that has certainly been an issue to deal with. But I think that Finch has made a career out of being adaptable to different roster constructions, both in Europe and then in the NBA as well. And so um, while it's certainly not ideal for the way that he ultimately wants to play basketball. I don't think that that's a, a, a as big of a concern for him. I do think that one thing that we have heard him reference several times this year is that there is a certain something that has been missing from this group that was really the driving force of this team uh, last season, and that is and overall will and competitiveness that um, really pushed a, a team to overachieve last season. And that has not been there for large portions of this season. And I think that is the kind of thing that is much harder for a coach to change and address. I mean, how many times have we heard him talk about getting back on defense this year about the guards and wings needing to do a better job of rebounding? And we're just not seeing the game to game response in that way um, from this group. And so I think that him being recognizing that there is a certain fiber that this team has lacked for much of the season is the most um uh, frustrating thing because that is the thing that is kind of in a player or it isn't and is really hard to instill and and um, right now this team has to dig deep and 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 find a pride and find a a willingness to sacrifice that it has not had for much of the season and if not uh, it's going they're going to dig themselves a real big hole here soon and and one that might be too big to climb out of. We got through an entire episode without mentioning the name, Patrick Beverly. Oh, screwed it up. Dang it. Dang it. Oh, well, maybe next week.